Amen. Start practicing on something. <laughs> Praise God. Can we pray one more time? Would that be okay if we just pray and entertain the presence of the Lord? I want to make sure we that he knows he's welcome here and that I want his presence to be here. I don't want you to just hear me. I want you to hear from from the Lord. I want you to hear him today. If he says something through me, I want it to be something that ministers to you. So if we could just pray one more time. Father, we love you today. Lord, I thank you today, God. I thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you for open ears, open hearts, open minds, oh God. Open up our spirit, Lord Jesus. Send your ministering angels into this place to minister into this place, Lord God. We've come here to hear from you, Lord. We've come here to be fed. We want you, we want to feed you with our love. We want you to know that we love you, that we honor you. We bless your name. We depend on you, God. We depend on you for life and health and breath in our bodies, Lord Jesus. In you we live and move and have our being today. So, Lord, we invite you. We invite you into this place. Father, have your way today. In this Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Is there anybody that does not have a... Uh, no, okay. Praise God. Anyone else? Do you need one? Okay. 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 Praise God. We'll take care of that. Sister Sandy. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Starting a new lesson this month of October. Preparing for the harvest. And I was just... Uh, in awe of the things that I that I had to see and view on the highway. I had all the way back from Kansas City yesterday. That's all I saw was combines out there cutting down the wheat and cutting down the corn and just so much harvesting going on. And I really didn't even think about the whole this time of year when, when I originally started working on this and then halfway through it kinda of dawned on me, hey, this is the harvest season. So how appropriate is that? Amen. God knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. Even especially when we don't really think he does. When we just think, where is God? He can't possibly be in the middle of all this I'm going through, but he is. Amen. He knew you were going to go through it. He told Nathaniel, he said, I, or Nathan, he told him, he said, I saw you when you're under the juniper tree. And, and he was and up until that point, he wasn't sure who this Jesus guy was. But when he said that, it was like, oh. And he wasn't there. I know he wasn't there because it was just me under there studying and praying. So he had, this, this guy's got to be something more than, than I thought he was. Amen. So he knows where we are. He knows what we're going through. Matter of fact, I would venture to say from my own personal experience, he's the one behind what we're going through. Because he knows it's for our good. Amen. And usually we don't see that, though, until we get to way down the road on the other side of it and look back and go, Ah, oh, I see why I went through that. That was for my good. And then we thank him. Amen. But I don't know about you, but I just want to thank the Lord ahead of time. And we're going to kind of, that's going to be kind of one of the, one of the facets of this lesson 
as we get into this. So if we could turn in our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Let me get my Bible. I'll lead by example. You know, I was thinking the other day, I, I use my iPad a lot to, to study and read my Bible. And I don't know, it just dawned on me. I need to keep myself in practice using this thing right here. You know? I don't want to get ever, ever get out of the practice of flipping through the pages of a Bible. Because what if all the, all the iPads, what if, what if there was an electromagnetic pulse bomb dropped and all of our electronics quit working, and then what would we do? What would we do? We'd have to depend on this. We'd be, some of us would be shuffling. Where's my Bible? <laughs> i got to go find the real thing. Amen. So I'm, I'm purposing this, this coming year to, to spend more time in this. I'm not going to stop using my iPad but, and uh, my phone. I like having that convenience of having that with me, but, but we got to depend on this. Amen. In some countries, they get one Bible, and they tear one page out, and everybody takes a page. They keep that one page for a couple of weeks until they get that page front and back memorized. Then they go meet and switch pages, and then they get another page. And they memorize that front and back for a while, and then they get and they cherish that one page of that Bible. They don't even get to have a whole Bible. And I'm not making that up. That's re- that really happens in countries where Bibles are not allowed. Amen. And so we need to. This thing is precious. If it's that precious to somebody in that country like that, that they will cherish one page of it, how much more should we cherish it in this country where we're free to have ten Bibles if we want? Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 10 verse 1 says, And after these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them. Everybody say, sent them. Two by two before his face unto every city. Everybody say, every city. God loves every city. He wants every city to hear the gospel. Amen? Every town, every village, every burg, every major city, every small town with one stoplight. He wants every city in place, whither he himself would come. Therefore he said unto them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers, everybody say laborers, are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers unto his harvest. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers unto the harvest. And if we could turn, I'm going to read the, there's another version of this in Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. Matthew 9, 37. A little bit different take on it. And it says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous. It's, it's multitudinous. It's, it's so big. That word plenteous just doesn't even do justice to what he's really trying to say. It's, it's huge. It's massive. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers 
into his harvest. Amen. And uh, I just real quickly, well, I'm going to kind of touch on the, the whole point of this lesson this month. And the purpose of this lesson is to bring us to a better understanding by the grace and, and by the, the mercy of God, to a better understanding of the spiritual harvest by understanding the principles of the natural harvest as it's discussed in the Word of God. How many knows that there are principles and patterns and things in the Word of God that God has put there on purpose not to be not to just be so that we can read about things in the natural, but there's a spiritual connotation. There's a spiritual comparison. There's something we're supposed to learn in that. Amen. And, and it's all around us, as I was saying. They were harvesting crops on the way back, all the way up I-35 and all the way down 90. They were just, it was going on everywhere. And I kept, that scripture just kept coming into my mind. The fields are white unto harvest, already unto harvest. You know, and that, that white doesn't mean literally white. But it means it's golden looking. It's it's not green anymore. It's it's started to fade, and it's it's indicating that it's time for the harvest. Amen. And so that in that scripture, in both of those scriptures, where it said, "Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers," that those two words "send forth" are basically one Greek word, and that Greek word is ekbalo, and that Greek word is means something a little different than just sending, like we would think of, sending forth, like Pastor Parker sending us forth down to the Salvation Army to teach a Bible study. It's, it's more than that. And that word means to force, to thrust, to urge, or to drive out, to cast, or to throw. Amen? To command, to cause, to depart in haste. So that word, those two words, send forth, really mean like literally, like kicking you out, just pushing you out, thrusting you out there. That's what he's really trying to say. That's what it, the to me, the impact of what that's saying in these scriptures is that the harvest is of the utmost importance. And it's important that we get laborers out there. And I, you know, I was thinking about this on the way in this morning. The Bible says that the harvest is truly Right, but the laborers are few. Well, there were laborers when it was time to plant the seed for there to be crop, to be a harvest. Where'd all those laborers go? Where'd they go? Why is it so hard to find laborers for the harvest? Amen? So this is what we're going to talk about. And so God is telling us that he's wanting to thrust us out there into the harvest. And, and we're, we're talking about harvest in the natural, but we're, what is the harvest in the spiritual? Souls, people, individuals. Because every soul is precious to him. Amen? The Bible says that every soul belongs to him. Amen? Whether they choose to want to belong to him is another story. I was driving, I was telling several people, I drove in town yesterday and got off the highway, and I thought, oh, I'll just cut down Rose Street, cut through downtown, and I don't have to go all the way out to exit 5 and then cut back in. And it was around 3 o'clock, and the parade had just ended. People were everywhere. <laughs> so I drove into that, and I, I started to get frustrated. Oh, man, I can't believe I forgot about this. But then it was like the Lord said, look at these people. Look at them. They're, they think they're happy in what they're doing, but they're so empty. And I, I was 
sharing with Sister Parker and Brother Parker this morning. I used to be like that. That was me. That would have been me 30 years ago. That was me 30 years ago. And somewhere along the line, somebody prayed for me. Somebody saw fit to have a a love for the lost enough to come reach out to me. And the Lord invited me and gave me an opportunity to come into a church and receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. So there's, there's still hope for this city. There's still hope for those people out there. Amen. And we are the laborers. We're the ones that are supposed to be forced out in the harvest. What I found interesting as I was studying this Greek word ekbalo, it's also found in Matthew 8 and 16 where Jesus talks about casting out devils. It's the same word that cast, casting out devils. The same word. So that's, I mean, that's some pretty serious stuff. When he cast out some devils, it was, he cast them out. They were gone. They didn't, they didn't wait around. They didn't hang around. They were gone. Those devils, when they were cast out into the pigs, they were gone immediately. And so the Lord is wanting to cast us out into the harvest. Amen. We had that little skit with the young people here back a while back where, where I was the, the husbandman and I kept bringing in laborers and paying them a penny to go out and to bring in the harvest. And that, in that story, that, that husbandman, that the boss, he was, it was serious. He was desperate to find laborers. And he, was, he would go into the marketplace and say, why are you standing idle? And they'd say, because there's nobody to hire us. Amen. Well, that's not the case. The Lord is ready to put us to work if we're willing to go to work. Amen? We've got to go to work. <laughs> One of the preachers at the conference, he's, he said, everybody here that has a friend, raise your hand. And people didn't respond right away. And he said, oh, come on. Everybody in here has got a friend. So all the hands went up. Everybody in here got a friend? One friend. See? You're a laborer. If you can make a friend, you can make a disciple. If you can make a disciple, then that person becomes a disciple, and they can go make another because they have a friend. And so the harvest is not hard. We just make it harder than it is. Amen. So we'll be primarily focusing on this understanding the sequence of the natural grain harvest. Okay? So the biblical grain harvest has three primary elements. Those three elements are listed in the Bible and are as follows. The first fruits offering is the first one. The first fruits offering. The first fruits offering is number one. Number two is the main body of the harvest. The main body of the harvest. And number three is the gleanings gleanings still a part of of harvest and so everybody have those in genesis 8 verse 20 god covenants with noah and all mankind that there will always be seed time and harvest and it says in verse 20, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and, of, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said unto, in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, 
For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's talking about us. Okay? Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. Verse 22, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and the day and night shall not cease. So he made a promise to us, seed time and harvest. And if you're in an area like this, an agricultural area, you know that to be true. They're always busy in the springtime. Uh, when you're driving some of these back roads, you've got to be careful because every, all kinds of farm implements and tractors and everything are, are out. As soon as they can turn the ground over, as soon as that thaw happens, they're out busy. And, and everything else doesn't matter at that point. Their social life, nothing else matters but getting that seed in the ground. Amen. And so you have to be cognizant of that when you're driving and, and respectful and, and understand that they're out there doing business. That's their livelihood. Amen? So we're respectful and we get out of the way. And the same time, same as this time of year, they're out there getting the harvest. Amen? And so when those times come, nothing else matters. Social life and sports and all those things kind of get put on the back burner. And getting that, getting that seed in the field is, and getting that ground turned over and prepared for that seed is of utmost importance. So God's word is clearly establishes the primary elements that make up the grain harvest. Because our God is a God of principles, patterns, and of most of all consistency, he is guarantee of seed time and harvest would undoubtedly include the elements that make up biblical harvest. Okay? So that we might better understand God's plan for apostolic end time worldwide harvest we need to understand the fundamental elements that make up his harvest because it's ultimately his harvest amen we are a part of that harvest amen we are a part of that harvest so the first one is the first fruits offering that we're going to talk about and so the first part of the harvest in the bible was called the first fruits and what, what this was, was they took, and if they were cutting down sheaves of wheat, and they didn't do it like we do today, they didn't have all these combines and all this stuff, everything was by hand. So they would, a guy would go out there with a sickle and whack down a couple of, of sheaves of harvest and bundle them together, and before anybody harvested another piece of wheat, they would take that to the Lord. And they would take that offering unto him. Because the first fruits belongs to the lord and they wanted the lord to bless the harvest they wanted him to bless every aspect of what they were doing because especially in those days their livelihood depended on it they fed their families amen they they everything that they did existed around especially the farmers around that crop and so it was important that the lord bless that and so they were offering thanksgiving to him for a bountiful harvest they were about to reap, not really knowing if they were would have one, but but thanking him for it in advance. That was the whole point of the first fruits. They would come and wave their first fruits offering before the Lord, and they would ask the Lord, and they would thank him for blessing the harvest. 
And they had no idea what really what the harvest was going to be. They could see the field, but they had no idea to what extent the, the size of the harvest, what it was going to be. And, and so they would bring that first fruits before the Lord and say, Lord, we've trusted this to you, and so we're thanking you ahead of time. Now, I've already alluded to that. We've got to thank the Lord ahead of time for things that we don't have. There was a guy that used one of our preachers that's, that's been dead for a few years, named Billy Cole. He made this statement. Um, see if I can remember this. Can you remember? <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Have that moment. I'll think of it in a minute. Basically, what he was saying is pray for something and then believe to see it. So sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, we've got to pray for it and expect God to answer in advance. It's easy to thank him. It would be easy to just take the harvest up and just come and thank the Lord for the harvest later. But why not go ahead and give it to the Lord now and have his blessing on what, what we're doing? Thank you for the harvest, Father. When a, when, a, when a man goes into a city that has never been churched before, that's one of the hardest things to do is begin to thank God that you don't even have the first person in, in church yet. But you've got to begin to thank God because you know he sent you there, that individual. And so you've got to begin to thank him in advance for the things that God is going to do. Amen. Because the Bible says what? We walk. By faith and not by sight. We can't depend on what we see, but if we believe, that's the whole point is faith, believing. They trusted God. They trusted that just doing this little act of waving the sheaf before the Lord, that he was going to bless their harvest. There's a, and there's an important reason for that. Amen? Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus 23, verse 10. Verse 10 says, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come unto the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest unto the priest, and ye shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And so there you go. It's in the book. They were doing what God, this was all part of his pattern and plan for the people of Israel for that day. He wanted them to know that he, everything that they had was because of him. And I, I love this scripture. In him we live and move and have our being. So anything you have that you personally own right now is not really yours. It's not. It's a blessing from the Lord. And he has made you stewards of that thing, whatever it is. You look at the story of Job. He had wealth and riches and barns and cattle and camels and sheep and 
I mean, he had everything going on. He had family and everybody was in church. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord took all that away. And I, I, sometimes I read that and I think, how would I react if the Lord did that to me? How would I react? Would I have the same boldness and faith and trust? And he was a man that walked with God to have to say, while my wife is over here telling me to curse God and die, and I'm saying, no, naked I came into this world, naked I'll return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If he wants to take it, take it. Amen? The whole point of that story was God needed to work on Job for some reason. And he knew that he needed him to be in a place mentally and spiritually so that he could take him to another level. And he knew he needed to, to find out where his relationship really was with him. Are you really attached to all this stuff, Job, or are you attached to me? Amen? Anybody ever heard the phrase, when you're down to nothing, God's up to something? When you're down to nothing, know that God is up to something. It might be a literal nothing. You don't have a thing in, I mean, you don't, all your possessions are gone. Or it might be nothing in, a, in another sense. When you're down to a place where you just feel like you're backed up against the wall and you don't know where to go and you feel like that rat that's backed in a quarter, you're ready to come out and fight. Know that God has put you there. Okay? I know it's easy to say that now, but when you get in that place, it's not so easy. <laughs> We want to think, God, where are you? He's right here. He's right there. He knows what he's doing. Amen? Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. I had this favorite Bible, and I had it highlighted and everything and we were living in west texas and i mean i had I knew where everywhere was in that bible i could just grab a certain it didn't have tabs on it or anything i could just grab a page i knew where that i knew where acts was just by looking at the edge of the pages and some guy while i was at work went and got in my car and stole what he thought was my daytimer thought he had my wallet and everything in there he stole my favorite bible man you talk about upset uh, there was an alley running up and down that business part of Clovis, New Mexico. I went in every dumpster looking for that Bible. I wanted that thing back so bad. That's how precious that was to me, and I never found it. So on the way home, I was praying, God, get a hold of that dude, whoever it was. Cause him to open that book and read it. Let it convict him. Save him, God. I don't know if that, that happened, but I said, okay, if he's got it, then use it. Amen. For, for a purpose that it wasn't intended. Amen. So I'm, I'm trying to break this one in to be like that Bible. Psalm 37 verse 5 says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he uh, told of his brother, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray ye the dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep arose, and also the uh, stood upright. And behold... Your sheaves stood up round about and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? 
Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So a sheaf can, be, can make reference to people. God was pointing that out in this story. A sheaf in that dream that he had was making reference to people. So as we're studying this, as we're going through this, understand that God was giving them principles in agriculture that he was going to use later to refer to people. Because really today, that's what the harvest is all about that we're talking about, the spiritual harvest. Amen. And you could just learn. I mean, I was just in awe of the things that I was seeing yesterday driving back. It was just making it, just hammering it home so clear to me the importance. And those, they were out there busy. They weren't slacking. They weren't laying back. They weren't going and having a Coke somewhere. They were out there busy getting that harvest. Why? Why? Why were they so, why do they have to be so busy to get that harvest out of the field? Anybody? Winter's coming. There's going to come a day where you can't get out there and get it out of the ground anymore. Right? It's going to start freezing. Snow's going to start falling. Amen. And so they've got only so much time to get it out of the field. So it's urgent that they get out there and not slack. They've got to get busy. Right? Time for rest is later. Time for being busy getting the harvest out of the field is now. Because that's their livelihood. That's, that's their income. That feeds their family. Amen? Psalm 126, verse 5. Is this all right? Praise God. It says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen? So in Scripture, the figurative use of the word sheaf really, as I've already said, represents people. It's a figurative term. God's trying to get a hold of us. And, and so he's talking about the people going out and sowing the seed. The seed to them was precious. When they harvested a, a crop of wheat, some of that crop went to feed their family, to make bread, and they grind it, and, and they'd make bread and feed their family. And some of that crop was sold for profit. But some of that, the seed was kept, because it's not like today where you can just go down to the agriculture store and buy all your seed, right? They had to get the seed out of the crop for the next crop. So that seed, that crop was precious. And so every time they went out, because this pattern repeated itself over and over. So every time when the year, time of year came, and I love that picture that, that they used for the district uh, harvest, that guy with the bag, seed bag, doing like this. That's what they did. They didn't have a little seeder that they, or a machine that they drove. They had to go out there and, and broadcast that seed. And so they would weep and cry. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for the harvest. Thank you for the harvest that's going to come out of this. Thank you, Father. And they would weep over that because that seed was precious. Because of the, the repeat pattern. Because they needed that seed to be in the ground. They needed it to grow. 
They needed there to be a crop so they'd have seed for the next year. Amen. How important is it to you to feed yourself and feed your family? It's important. And so it, that's what that scripture, I believe, is talking about. They wept. They cried. They, they trusted God for that seed. Amen. It was important that that seed get in the ground. And, and that was the only part that they could do was turn over the ground and get the seed in the ground. After that, it was up to God. Matter of fact, the dirt belongs to God. The rain belongs to God. The sun belongs to God. The wind belongs to God. It all belongs to God. The bees, all the pollinating, all that stuff is in God's hands. So everything that brought that stuff out of the ground, because anybody ever heard of drought where nothing grows? Amen. That's a bad thing. No farmer wants there to be a drought where the ground is cracked and nothing grows. So they trusted their God that brought the seed to them for that seed to grow and create a crop so that they could have perpetual seeds and, and year after year. And so those things were important. That's why they wept. And th- that scripture says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed in the seed bag or the box, shall doubtless, no doubt, come again rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. Where? His sheaves to the Lord, right? There's that pattern. Waving that before. Thank you for the harvest. Again, thanking him ahead of time. Thanking him ahead of time for the harvest. Amen? Is any of this making any sense to anybody? I'm not a farmer, so I'm... Never was a farmer. I knew a lot of people that were farmers that told me about what they did and their lifestyle from week to week, month to month, year to year, throughout the harvest cycle and the seed and the planting. I, I knew a guy that, you know, drive your tractor to school day and all that kind of stuff. He grew up in the country. And, and it's neat to hear all that stuff, but I didn't get to ever do any of that stuff. I just learned it in grade school. So it's it's really neat for me to be around all this agriculture around here and to see the process is going on. It really isn't a life-learning, for me anyway, experience. And I would love to be able to get on one of these farms and have one of these people just kind of break it down and explain it to me. It would be really neat to do that. Amen? Because I, I heard one person say having a hobby farm and having a real farm is two different things. Because having a real farm is a lot of work. It's not. It's not just something you do as a hobby. It's either you do it or you don't do it. If you're not going to be serious about it, get out of that business. Amen? Because it's, it's W-O-R-K. Right? And they take R-I-S-K every year. They don't know. <laughs> the weatherman can predict all he wants. And the almanac can predict all at once, but God's in in control of the weather. God's in control. If he wants there to be a a drought, there's going to be a drought or a blight. You know, we just had a bunch of trees taken out of La Crosse here last year or two, right? Because of some blight, some bug that came in and what were those? Some kind of beetle. Yeah. Amen. Emerald ash beetle. Right? So... 
Who had any control over that? Man didn't. Right? So we have to trust God. Okay? So the seed that was sowed in this case represents what? In spiritual terminology. What does the seed represent? The Word of God. The Word seeds, as I would call the Word seeds, were sown with compassion. When we sow that seed of that word, we've got to sow it with compassion and love. When I was driving down through town yesterday with all that mess, with people hauling their coolers and all their junk and people dressed and act, acting silly and, you know, you could, you could see some of them staggering drunk, you know, and I just, I wanted to just go, man, I can't believe I made this exit. I can't believe I came this way. And the Lord said, it was like he said, but maybe I brought you this way. Because he wanted me to see that and feel that compassion for those people. And I do have compassion for those people. I've been there. I know the emptiness of that life. And they don't. And, you know, the Bible says the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And, I, you know, I don't know the results of that prayer I prayed. But when I drove through that yesterday, I was praying. Believe me, I wanted to roll my window down and hand out every track I had in my truck. But there were cops everywhere directing, and I just didn't, the opportunity wasn't there. So I prayed. I said, well, I can't do anything, but I can pray. And I just prayed, God, open their eyes like you opened mine. Let them see like what you let me see. Let, let them see their life as the mess that it really is. And I, you could see the emptiness in some of their faces. They, they were doing the stuff, but they really, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's, there's an emptiness there. And they don't know what to do, they don't know, many of them don't even know that there's an opportunity, and there's, there's an option, right here on this street corner where most of them walk by. If they only knew what was going on inside this building right now, if they only knew, how are they going to know? How are they going to know? We can put a sign out there. But how are they really going to know? we got to tell them. Thank you. Amen? If you have a friend, you can make a disciple. There was a story. There was a young man. I went to one of the... They have these sessions. These like, um, like seminars, I guess, during the day at General Conference. And it's different people teaching little smaller group classes about the size of this building. So I was in this one session, and this guy was talking about discipleship and about you got to go across the aisle. you got to reach for somebody that looks different than you, that's different than you. And one of the guys in his church, who was a white guy, had reached out to this black gentleman. He had no idea when he started talking to him. They just He was trying to make a friend. He was trying to reach out to somebody. Well, this guy was from Sudan. Not only was he from Sudan, but he was a pastor. From Sudan, living in this country. And so he brought this man to, to the pastor's office, and they were talking because he was a man of God. And one thing led to another, and got this man of this pastor expounded the truth of God to this man more fully. And this man from Sudan is getting baptized in Jesus' name this weekend. <laughs> the really exciting thing is is that he travels back to Sudan three or four times a year because he's got churches in Sudan that he pastors. So just somebody stepping over and just 
taking the effort to just make a friend. He's going back to Sudan this year, and he's going to rebaptize all of his people in all those churches. <laughs> so one person is reaping the harvest of who knows how many in the country of Sudan just because somebody was willing to get out of their comfort zone and be a harvester, be a disciple maker. And I didn't mean to add that in there, but it's just in my spirit. That's all they've talked about all week. And it's in my spirit, but it's important. It's part of That's part of getting the harvest in. i got a couple minutes. Seed produces seed, produces seed, produces seed, produces seed. Y'all get it? Souls, disciples produce disciples who produce disciples who produce disciples. So we are part of that harvest. We are the laborers. We are the laborers. Amen. And what's our excuse? Amen. Amen. One one man said that he, he quit baptizing people in the church because he got tired of having several hundred visitors in a year and no no fruit, no results from it. No fruit. So he told his church, I'm not baptizing anybody until I know they've been discipled. Till they know that somebody has spent time with them and brought them along. And he went from 17% retention in his church to 71% retention in his church just by doing that. Amen. So the harvest is important to God. And how... How the harvest is brought in, you can't just do it any old way. There's a certain process. There's a certain procedure. You, you go out and try to help one of these farmers, like uh, they had an ad in the paper for people to go out and harvest apples out of these trees. Up, you know, these. I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I thought, you know, they're going to hire people, and they're going to tell them exactly how to do it. You can't just go out there and take a, a stick and start knocking apples out of trees. There's a certain way to do it. There's a certain process so they don't get bruised so that, so that the crop is valuable to that apple farmer. They want it to be in the, buck, in the bushel so that, they, so that it looks good to the person buying it, right? So they trusted God for the harvest in every aspect and every of the process of having a harvest. So as they walk and cast seed, the precious word seed, from the seed bag into the field, they would bring, be praying over the seed. So as we're walking in our community, as we're walking on our college campus, as we're walking my wife in her school, she's casting seed little by little here and there. Sometimes you, when you cast seed, like when the guy came to put the grass seed in my yard in Kentucky, he would just have this spreader and he'd just push that thing around and it was just, it was just sending seed everywhere. Some of it went on the sidewalk, some of it went out in the street. You know, and I'm out there after I get home. I'm trying to sweep it all back in the grass. So that's that's grass. I don't want it in the street. I want it in my yard. You know, that, that seed's just going to fall everywhere, but some of it's going to take, right? Some of it's going to, once it's watered and everything that's done to it, right, that's supposed to be done, that seed's going to germinate and it's going to become something. So the seed was important. So that, that's why they prayed, they wept over that seed, and that's why we've got to, have that kind of an attitude toward our city. You know, one 
One guy this weekend said we've got to read the Bible through the lens of being a disciple. We've got to read it differently. Everything you do, everything you say, every person that we come in contact with, they're a part of the harvest too. And it's up to us to bring them in. You know, I'll never, there's people I'll never come in contact with, Sister Bell, that you see every day or that you will come in contact with through the things that you do and, and where you walk in life. And there's Likewise, there's people that I'm going to come in contact with that, that God is sending me in their path for me to be the harvester in their life. So I've got to be that laborer. One last thing, and I'm going to stop right here. One statement says, The harvest of multitudes is guaranteed to the weepers. Amen? It's, it's, it's one thing to just plant a seed for one tree or one little plant. And I thought about planting something and bringing it here and just leaving it and watching it like a house plant, watching it grow and see the process. But you all would understand that. But the, they wept over that seed. Why? That seed was precious. They wanted to see the result of that seed to be a, a mighty crop from the Lord. And so it's important that we weep. It's important that, that weeping is talking about intercession and travail and those kind of things. So it's important not to just cast seed, but to pray over what seed you've planted to water it. Amen? Everybody understand that? We've got to water the seed. Amen? That one that the Lord has sent you to, take that serious. Amen? You know, somebody had to, like that song says, somebody prayed for me, kept me on their mind. Took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. They wept for me. They got on their face before God and said, Lord, I've planted that seed in their life. I've given them that word, Lord. Now let that word germinate in their spirit, in their soul. Let that word germinate. Give them a hunger. Because, you know, none of us came to God except he drew us, right? None of us did, okay? And so God has to draw them. Amen. We got to get in the middle of that. We got to become that weeper that's planting that seed. Amen. We'll pick this up there next week. Father, we thank you for this good word today. We thank you for the teaching and preaching, Lord, and ministry of your word to the spirits, souls, and hearts of individuals in this room. Pray your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your break, and we'll see you back at 1030. Worship the Lord.